Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We have 22 listeners. That's 22 more than we thought we'd have. And you're in different parts of the world. How cool is that? So thank you very much for sticking with us. In this episode, Baby C's grandfather talks about playing in the woods when he was a kid. Then he tells us some spooky experiences he had. And after the supernatural audio interference in this episode, and because Baby C is getting so much out of talking to all the parents, Baby C's mom has decided to buy a microphone. Please stick with us while we upgrade our sound. If there are any areas of play that you want to hear about or countries that you want to hear from, you can message us on Instagram, playing with baby C, all one word. Thanks again for listening. Happy Halloween. Did you have a favorite way that your mom would play with you? Like, did you have a favorite game that you guys would play together? My first memories of my mom doing anything, I mean, apart from, you know, just normal stuff, feeding and stuff like that. The thing that I remember extracurricular wise was my mom would read to me and I was reading before I went into the first grade. I mean, first grade reading was boring to me because I, you know, I could already read. And I remember growing up, if I was bored, I didn't dare articulate that to my mother because she would say, read a book. I don't have anything to read. Get on your bicycle and go up to the library and get you something to read. But that was what I remember first and what I remember really, really latching on to and really, really liking with with, with, yeah, with, my, with my mom. You're the only person I know who will sit down and read an entire book in one sitting. Yeah, if, if, you know, again, time permitting, but. I have on many occasions started reading a book on a Friday night and I didn't finish it. I read all night and wouldn't finish it until uh, sometime on Saturday. Yeah, that that's that's a big memory from my childhood. As far as the other playing, I, I got to be honest, I like playing with other kids. Now you got to remember my first four years of my life, my mom and I lived, you know, my father was off working. You know, He worked in constructions and building tunnels and whatnot. My mom and I were by ourselves up in the woods in a holla in Nanahala. So, you know, when I had other kids to play with, like my cousins and everything, that was a real focus for me. What did you say in a holla? A holler. Holler. It's it's uh, an old fashioned word. It's a middle. It's in back up in the woods. You're in a sheltered area in the woods and. And it's like, you know, you may have like some hills or something and your home or your homestead is down in the sheltered part out of the wind and the weather and whatnot. Oh, wow. Cool. When I was five years old, uh, one morning we woke up and there was a whole contingency of special forces camped in the meadows below our house. Oh, my God. And they were on, and they were on maneuvers. And, of course, me being up there with only myself and my mom. I had a whole lot of new playmates, right? You know, even though I'm five years old, I, w- I, be- I believe I was the camp mascot. So when they came in the middle of the night, we had a wood-burning stove. We, you know, that's how we kept warm with either wood or coal. And we'd had a, been cutting wood, you know, for for the wintertime, and they stole all our wood. Oh no! Because they, you know, they couldn't. Well, they couldn't cut trees, and they couldn't cut wood for campfires in the middle of the night. So. First thing I do is I go over to the camp and ask who's in charge. <laughs> and they, they point me in the direction and I proceed to go walking into the tent 
of the captain who was in charge of the maneuvers that they were doing up in the mountains. And I told him that you and your men stole my mama and my wood last night. Oh, my gosh. mama's pregnant and she's in no condition. <gasps> I didn't say pregnant. She's like, when I have a baby and she's in no condition to go out and cut that wood. So you need to take your men and go out in the forest and cut us some wood. Wow. So by sundown, we had enough wood that would last us not only throughout the rest of the summer and fall and the winter, but probably for another two years. Oh, my gosh. So that was the beginning of, of my ordering the special forces out of Fort Bragg around. And I, you know, then, then it was all it was great. I would walk into his tent, tell him it was time for he and I to go over to Ethel's it was a little country store and get our ice cream for the afternoon. And he would put me in the Jeep and take me over there and buy me an ice cream and buy him an ice cream. And then we would eat them and come back. And, uh, and I'd go eat breakfast with him every morning, which meant I had to get up like at, uh, I don't know, 5 or 5.30 and go over and eat breakfast. And the first time I remember eating breakfast with them, everybody was standing in line. And so I go and get in line and uh, the captain comes walking by and he tells me, you, know, you don't have to wait in line for breakfast. You want something to eat. And I told him, no, I'll wait in line with the rest of the men. And oh. so all the soldiers loved it. Oh, yeah, the captain. Yeah, he's got to wait in line with the rest of us men, blah, 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 blah. But I was the camp mascot for the summer. They fed me candy and sea rations and uh, and all kinds of good stuff. That's awesome. I bet you made their just their summer, you know. It's probably so nice to just have a little kid around. Yeah, yeah. a reminder of home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was. Wow. Do you remember anything about Halloween when you were a kid or really young? Did you have a favorite tradition or things that you would do in your holler? Well, I mean, when I, when I was real little, a group of kids would get in the car and, and somebody would, you know, one of the adults would take them around. To hunt because, I mean, this wasn't, a you know, it was spaced out. There wasn't a lot. You couldn't just go and trick or treat in your neighborhood. You know, your neighborhood. I mean, when we lived in Nanahala, the nearest neighbor to us was probably half a mile away. Oh, wow. So okay. it, wasn't, it wasn't like you could just, you know, go. Run. So we went in cars. I do remember that. And, you know, you get out of the car and run up to the door, do your trick or treating and everything. So, but I did. I loved Halloween and we didn't use pumpkins or any of the little things, you know, that you send in the store. Now, we would take pillowcases and we would get pillowcases full of candy and bring them home dump them all in the refrigerator and we and my family would eat candy until after Christmas because there was, was so much of it. <laughs> and then of course, all the tricking and all that stuff, you know, I, I'm not going to get into that because I might incriminate myself. I will tell you this spray paint is flammable. Don't open the top of a lit jack-o'-lantern and spray spray paint into it. Yeah. Spray paint is very flammable. I bet you that neighbor, whoever you did that to, was like, that's what you get, you little punks. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember your earliest Halloween costume? What was it? Uh, <laughs> we would, uh, you know, I mean, Mama go to the five and ten, the, you know, the five and dime, and buy, I remember we'd buy, you know, little skeletons and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. Uh, and what's your favorite horror novel? Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I like Stephen King's writings. I like Dean Koontz's writings. Tanith Lee is very good because Tanith Lee takes fairy tales and tells them in a, a scary way. 
think about fairy tales, they are scary. I mean, if you get beyond the Disney messaging and everything, I mean, you start thinking about, you know, fairy tales. I mean, everybody talks about the Little Mermaid, but, you know, the Little Mermaid basically refused to kill Eric and his bride to have a soul, which is what her goal was. She wanted to have a human soul. And she could have gotten one according to some witch or whatever the story was. And she refused to kill him and his, his, his new bride. Whoa, that's dark. Think about them all. I mean, think about, you know, poison apples, you know, poisonings. And uh, what was it? Uh, Snow White, the huntsman, refuses to kill her, kills a wolf, takes it back to the queen. And the queen tastes it and kind of doubts whether or not it's her heart or not. And, you know, some of this stuff, you know, if you start really reading, reading them and not, the, you know, the little dime store versions, but get the originals. I mean, they're really, really, really dark. Oh, wow. How about the resolution of Hansel and Gretel? Here's how you get out of the yourself in. You shove the witch into the oven and shut the oven door and burn her alive. Right. Well, isn't that self-defense? That it, it is, I guess. But that's pretty extreme. Yeah, you know? like why not go to the cops? At that yeah, what's the message? What's the message to the kids? Don't go tell tell an adult. Burn the witch. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like where you're from in Western North Carolina, there is a lot of spooks or spooky stories that get passed down from generation to generation. And I know that as Christopher's grandfather, you're planning on telling him these stories as he gets older. And so I was hoping to have them recorded. Okay, so. I moved back to Franklin, North Carolina from Nantahala when I was five years old. And we lived in a house that my my grandmother's brother owned and unfortunately passed away in that house a couple of months after I was born. So he got to hold me, but I don't remember him specifically. Anyway, here's the story. So we're at a neighbor's. She is babysitting us. She's babysitting her two granddaughters and two other girls who happen to be the granddaughters of Weimer. That's the guy that, I, that I'm referring to. That was my grandmother's brother. He lived in the house that we now live in and passed away in. So we're all walking back up a little dirt road and we look up at our house and there's a man sitting on the porch and none of the kids. So there were five of us kids. There was myself, there was uh, Pearl Campbell, the lady keeping us two granddaughters. And then there were was Weimer's two granddaughters. So we saw the man sitting up on the porch. None of us knew who he was. So we went and got Pearl. Now, Pearl is a big lady. Pearl probably, I don't know, weighed 300 pounds. So we went and told her there's a man sitting on the porch. And she said, well, we'll just find out about that. And so, you know, we're little kids. I mean, I'm five years, five or six years old. We're all hanging back and let her go up there and find out what's going on. All of a sudden, Coming down the road, the little dirt road, Pearl is coming down running and screaming, <gasps> saying, it's Weimer. It's <laughs> Weimer. Now, Pearl knew him. I mean, they grew up together. She knew Weimer DeWeese. She, you know, I didn't know him because, I, you know, he saw me when I was only a couple of months old. So she comes running down there. We don't go back up until parents come home. Parents come home. We go up, nothing, no one, nothing disturbed, nothing taken, nothing like that. So I don't know, was it or not? Oh my goodness. Did you ever look at that house the same? 
you know, no, my mom said, oh, he wouldn't bother us. You know, he's my uncle. He's your great uncle. Don't worry about it. If it was him, he wouldn't cause us any problems or anything like that. And it never happened again either. Oh, my gosh. So either Pearl was pulling your guys' leg or Weimer was on the porch. Or she she believed it because she was, I mean, she was, I mean, you know, coming running down through there yelling and screaming. So whether it was him or not, she believed it was him. And like I said, she grew up with him and she knew him. So oh, was it? I don't know. So the moral of the story is I'm not going to put a rocking chair on our porch. Otherwise, <laughs> Christopher is going to always see Weimer there after you tell him that story. Right. I love it. That's great. And then one that happened to me specifically is, again, we're living over at Franklin. We're going over to visit my grandma. You know, we went over and we went through trails through the woods because it was a lot shorter than taking the roads. And we would walk. And so we went to my grandmother's house one Sunday afternoon, uh, spent, you know, the afternoon with her. And then we were walking back home. And it was me, my brother, my mother. My Aunt Juanita, who was my mother's sister, and her two kids, Jerry and Rhonda. And Jerry was four years older than me. And so, uh, you know, he would go out ahead. You know, he I was probably five, so he was probably nine or something like that. So he would run on ahead and everything. And my brother was still real young. You know, I'm four years older than him. So my brother was probably, you know, one or two, something like that. Mom was carrying him. Jerry was up ahead of us, and it was almost dusk. It was getting to be twilight. And all of a sudden, Jerry's mother started screaming for him to stop. And, of course, you know, I'm a little kid. I, you know, I'm a little bit ahead of my Aunt Juanita, and Jerry's way ahead of her. And so uh, she's screaming for her to stop, for him to stop. And Jerry stops. I stop. I turned around, looked at Jerry, and there was a black shadow that floated across the trail. Oh, my God. We all saw it, and we didn't know what it means meant. So the black shadow floated across the trail, disappeared into the woods, and then we happened to look up ahead of me between Jerry and I, and there was an eastern diamondback rattlesnake mm. stretched out across the trail. So it either got there right after Jerry passed by or he stepped over it, who knows? But the, I mean, this thing was probably six feet long. I mean, Eastern diamondback rattlesnakes are, the, I think the biggest rattlesnake in the United States and they're very poisonous. And so this rattlesnake was stretched across the trail and probably I would have stepped on it or walked on it. And I kept going up toward Jerry because, you know, I was following him. So another creepy one. What was it? Wait, do you think it could have been something protecting you guys? Could have been, you know, we don't know. I mean, but all of us, I mean, two adults, three kids and a baby all saw that float across the trail. I kind of want to look it up because I bet you we can find some kind of story. What if there's an entity that has a rattlesnake or maybe it was someone looking out for you guys? That's insane. Yeah. Uh, These things I have no explanation for. I'm just... (laughs) Okay, so now every time I take Christopher hiking, once you tell him that story, he's not, he's going to be looking for snakes and shadows. Well, he should do that. He should look for snakes anyway. Yeah, sure. I think Franklin is haunted. Most of this stuff that happened to me happened when I was either visiting Franklin or living in Franklin during the four years or so that I lived there. So me and a couple of kids, 
we were out playing in the woods. And Franklin is known, in World War II, there was a lot of mica, a mineral mica, that was mined over there. And it was used as insulation in battleships and tanks and things like that. So a lot of it was mined over there because it was naturally occurring in the area. So we're out, you know, we're exploring the woods, we're out playing and everything, and we find this hole that goes straight down into the ground. And you could see down at the bottom, I don't know how deep it was, it was probably 30, 40 feet, but you could see to the bottom of it. And then there was another hole that went out to the side, and we were fascinated by that. What's that all about? You know, I get a hole going straight down, but what's the one out in the going from the side at the bottom going further into the mountain? So we didn't do anything. We went and got our babysitter, who was a younger lady, and she was, I don't know, she was from a, a neighboring community. This was during the summer. She promises after lunch she'll go look at it with us. Now, my brother, again, is real small. He's not walking or anything, so she has to carry my brother. But she couldn't leave him there, so she goes with myself and these other couple of kids. We take her to the hole, and she's acting weird, too, like she's creeped out. You know, She's an adult, so little kids take their cues from adults, right? What's going on? And she's just acting all skittish and everything. And all of a sudden, we heard something come stomping through the woods really loud. I mean, not like somebody. I mean, this is like really heavy, not making any noise. You just heard this stomping. I saw this lady that was babysitting us. I saw the panic in her eyes. She took off running with my brother. And, of course, we're running too, right? Nobody knows what it was. Nobody knows if it was someone doing that. They didn't make a noise, but it sounded really, really, really fast and heavy. And so, again, you know, when my parents get home, they go take me and we go and look around. There's no evidence of anything. So, I don't know. It's just freaky stuff. And, you know, when you're a kid, stuff really, really freaks you out, too. When you're in, well, it sounds like the adults get more freaked out than. Well, yeah, and you take your kids from them, right? If we take Christopher camping, I'm going to be totally freaking out (laughs) from these stories. Nothing ever happened in California. So I have a couple of stories. If you want to hear them, if you want to edit them out or whatever, I have a couple that I have no personal knowledge of. I was not involved with these. These were stories that were passed down to me from others in my family. First one involves uh, some relatives. It would have been my great uncle. Again, my grandma's, my grandmother's brother. They lived up from my grandmother. And supposedly, I never heard it, but my aunt, my grandma, and my first cousin that we still go visiting in Frank, Franklin have all heard this. Sometimes you could walk by Malcolm and his wife Mitty's house, and you could hear a voice going, help me, help me, help me. So all it said, nothing else, and it was coming from the fireplace. And so, you know, the first time it happened, literally my grandma and my grandfather were walking by, and it happened. And my grandfather broke the door down because he thought, you know, somebody was in their herd or something and, and or, or anything. And they go in, and the only thing they hear is this voice coming from the fireplace a couple more times, help me, help me. Again, over at Franklin, North Carolina, I'm telling you, that place is haunted. It is officially haunted. Yeah. Officially. Yeah. And then the final one is an old couple that lived there. This is when my grandma and grandpa first moved into their house, which had been in the 1920s. 
and there was an old couple that lived above them. Again, this is over in the Franklin, North Carolina area. And they always kept to themselves and they, you know, they uh, never really associated with the neighbors or whatnot. I mean, you know, they were pleasant enough if you ran into them or something, but they never went out of their way or anything to associate with other people. And I don't know the order, but one of them passed away. And shortly thereafter, another one, the other one passed away and they were buried Back then, you could bury people on your on their own land. You didn't have to bury them in a cemetery or whatnot. And then when the Depression came on, one of the things that happened in western North Carolina, east Tennessee, north Alabama, northern Georgia was the Tennessee Valley Authority. They came in. They built dams. You know, the south used to have a real severe problem with mosquito-borne illnesses because of all the water and everything, and it wasn't controlled. And and so TVA built a bunch of dams, you know, to kind of control the water flow and not have places getting flooded. Like they used to get flooded quite often, and, and a lot of things happened. But unfortunately, as part of that, they had to relocate people sometimes. Okay. In other words, when you build a dam and you create a lake, Okay. Sometimes there are homes and there's things there and homesteads and even towns that had to be evacuated and graveyards that had to be evacuated. But in this story, they weren't buried in a graveyard. They were buried on their own land. And so supposedly, and again, my grandma swear, swore to me that some of the people that she was friends with were part of the party that was exhuming them. Oh, so they so they dug them up, and uh, they dug the guy up first and opened the casket, and it was what you would expect. It was basically bones and, you know, uh, nothing there. When they opened up the lady's casket, and again, this is years after she had died, she looked just like she had been put in there and had recently died. Not a mark on her, no signs of deterioration. Or anything. So my grandma told me if there are vampires, they saw one. <gasps> there are vampires. I knew it. I always knew there were vampires. That's what my grandma, well, she didn't say there were, but she said if there are, then the people that dug them up, they saw one. Because she'd been in there for years, just like the husband. No signs of any deterioration whatsoever. And by the way, this is back in the 20s and 30s. So. You didn't have these fancy, hermetically sealed caskets and things like that. They were basically, in, I think, in wooden boxes. It just, you know, it's just funny how you either believe it or you don't, right? right? And right. if you believe it, you go by word of mouth, and that's what you believe. And if you don't, there's a million reasons why you can pick it apart. But, right. you know, I choose to live a little bit outside of reality, and I believe it. How do you explain that? They die in close proximity to one another. They're buried in the same ground, so it can't be anything about the ground that's funky, that's causing the excessive deterioration of one versus the other one. Uh, they're not in hermetically sealed coffins, you know, where they're locked down and everything, and yet one is basically deteriorated away. So enough time had lapsed for him to be, be deteriorated away, and here she is. Well, come Nothing's on, you know what happened, right? She was no. done with him. She she drained him and was done. She didn't want him to come back to life. <laughs> she got right. the last word. <laughs> that, could, that could be it. 
It dawned on me after editing this episode that Babysy's grandfather lived in a haunted house. And what was the banging near the mica hole that they heard? Was it miners stuck in the tunnels? Spooky.